Please join me in your Bibles or on the back of your bulletin. Galatians 5, 16 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is patience. James 5, 7 through 11. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Please join me in prayer. Jesus, we love you today. Lord, um, we are so overwhelmed by your grace, how you continuously provide for us as, as a church community. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be so present with us this morning, that our hearts would be softened to hear your truth. Lord, I pray against deception and the temptations of the world that pull us apart from what you want this community to be, what you want our relationships with you to be. Lord, we just ask for more of you and less of us. I pray you would speak through Brian this morning and that we would have ears to hear your truth. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to invite you to, um, to have your Bible open to Galatians chapter 5 for just a, a few minutes. And um, what's that? Oh, thank you. I will, I will announce that. Um, we forgot to mention this. Christmas Eve service right here. Um, and we'll announce the time. I, I believe it'll be 5 o'clock. But we are going to do that instead of a Sunday morning Christmas Day service. So... Instead of a Christmas morning, we're going to do Christmas Eve here. Thank you for reminding me. I'll announce that again. And I'll put that in the email that I sent out as well tonight. All right, Galatians chapter 5. We are talking about um, patience. And I, I want to ask you to um, memorize something this morning. And um, it'll be brief. And that is this. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. And we want to memorize that so we can say that to ourselves um, throughout the day and uh, even throughout the week um, because we need to understand how God wants us to live. All right? Um, I came across a quote this week, and it just fits. And um, I think everyone here knows that I enjoy reading Tim Keller, but here, here's what he wrote. Um, unfortunately, this is true. People are messy, uh, therefore relationships are messy, expect messiness. And um, that's, that's life. And patience, by the definition and the understanding of the word, means that there are problems, that there is trouble, that there are messy things happening in life. Therefore, patience is needed. God intends us to live together to be a church family, 
And if you live with messy people, and let's just take that literally for a moment, if you live with people who leave their dirty socks around or dishes out and those kinds of things, well, that makes patience even all the more needed. If you live with people and they're perfectly clean, perfectly nice, perfectly sweet all the time, well, that's amazing and you don't need as much patience, but that's just not reality. So <clears throat> when we live in community with one another and when we all have parts of our lives that are messy or troubling or difficult, that means we need to have patience. <clears throat> so patience is required to have healthy relationships. To be a part of a healthy church family, to be a part of a healthy family, you must have patience. In Galatians chapter 5, when Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit <clears throat> is patience, the word, and I've, I've mentioned this word before, it's a compound word uh, in Greek, and the beginning part of the word literally means long, like a long distance, a long, um, a long area, and the last part of the word, thumos, means anger. So it, in its most literal sense, just means this, that you take a long time to get irritated. To be patient means over, it takes a long time before you get mad, before you get irritated, before you get grumpy at people. The opposite, easy to kind of get, is you are instantly irritated. You are instantly grumpy with people. And that makes living together with people difficult. So patience the simple definition is this. It takes a long time before you to lash out. It takes a long time for you to get irritated with people. It takes a long time for you to express your anger. So to be part of a community of people, we need to understand what this word means and how we apply it. All right, so we'll begin with this. We're going to break the word up into two different senses or two different meanings. And and I'll explain the two words. So there's, there's a couple of words in the original language that carry this idea of patience. Number one is patience with people. So we'll talk about that first. Number one, patience with people. And then number two, another sense of the word is patience with God. All right? Patience with each other and then patience with God. And then last, we'll finish up with, well, how do we even get this into our lives? Okay, so number one, patience with people. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. I think we have it. There it is. All right. Be patient with each other. All right. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I think we have another one. Is it, um, Colossians chapter 3. Put on patience, bearing with one another. So Paul in his writing regularly talks about this, and you can tell by his writing that there are problems, that something's going on um, that, that requires patience. Yesterday, um, I, I took the Thanksgiving turkey oil down to the Malibu um, hazard, <laughs> hazard Day. It was down at the library. You could take all of your yucky stuff, oils and paints and things, and drop them off. You pull in, and they give you this little pink card um, then you pull forward, they unload the truck for you, it was very great, it was easy and nice. And then while they're unloading the truck, I fill out my little pink card. Of course, I forgot to turn my truck off and 
I've got this diesel truck and everyone's like dying of exhaust. So <laughs> I made the mistake. I didn't read the sign or whatever that, you know, turn your vehicle off, let the workers breathe while they're unloading your vehicle, fill out your pink card, and then you can be on your way. Great. So I'm waiting. They unload my car. I finally turn off my truck. And we get to the exit part where you hand your little pink card in. And the lady in front of me didn't fill it out when the car was being unloaded. Right? And I don't know, I have like instantaneous supersonic speed of impatience. <laughs> I don't know how long it took, but fractions of a second where I went, what in the world are you doing? You were supposed to have done that when, you were, when they were unloading your car. We, and listen, I know, I know a lot of you, it's not just me. We are instantaneously impatient with each other. And as I was studying this week, it's more of a problem than I think, or more of a problem than I thought and realized. It's really quite significant for us to think about this. That how we are to treat each other as people, as human beings, as part of a community, of how important it is to be patient with each other, that we take a long time before we get irritated with people. I came across this article this week. Uh, actually, it was just this morning that I just wanted to throw in here, and I won't, I'm just going to give you a couple highlights. And it's related to impatience, kind of mass in a different way, though, all right? And this article was written by a woman named uh, Kara Joyner, and she writes this. The title is, The Most Damaging Attitude in Our Churches. And she writes, It was an attitude I learned in church, and I used to believe it was a strength. I thought I was simply a critical thinker, all right, so we have code words for being impatient, for being complainers and grumblers. So she thought she was a critical thinker, full of constructive insights. My husbands and I shared, quote, the gift of reflection and spun many conversations around to what we, con to what we considered to be compelling observations about what church and other people were doing wrong and what they could do better. Never mind the fact that our tips were not actually being presented to those who we believed would benefit from them. Um, at least we saw the problems, right? She goes on and says this, but with time, the satisfaction, and this is what's so important, but with time, the satisfaction of hearing ourselves talk began to fade, and the nauseating feeling settled in its place. No matter how positive a light we tried to cast in, we were filling up on bitterness and tasting the result. Subtly, without even realizing it, we had become cynics. And the toxic effect could be felt in our marriage, our relationships, and our ability to communicate Christ's love to the world. And what happens is that when we become so impatient with people, it leads to complaining, it leads to grumbling, it leads to irritability, it leads to fault-finding, which then has a negative effect in our own souls. So when we think about this, we need to think about what patience really means. Think about just for a moment, um, just even a particular person in your life where you need to show patience. Patience is not, and this is important to, to clarify, patience is not avoiding people. And sometimes we think about that. Patience means... Um, it does not mean that you just avoid people. It doesn't mean you avoid conflict. It doesn't mean you run away from things. Patience means 
that you are slow to get irritated, but you at the same time you are dealing with a problem. Patience is this. Patience is allowing people to make mistakes. Will you allow people to make mistakes without getting in their face instantaneously? How important it is to allow people to make mistakes without confronting them, without getting irritated, without getting angry. Um, I came across this other, another article that was really interesting. It relates to this. Right? This is from, um, and I'm not a businessman at all, but this is from Business Insider. And this was from a Harvard psychologist. And she says that people judge you according to her. We'll take her word for it. She wrote a book like everyone else does. Um, but here's what she said, that people judge, people will judge you based on two things when they first meet you. All right, and this is different than, a little bit different than, than we think. This is, she's writing to biz, the business world. And she writes this in her new book called Presence. And her name is um, Dr. Amy Cuddy. And she says this, that, that people quickly answer two questions when they first meet you. First, can I trust this person? And think about this in the context of patience. Can I trust you that when I make a mistake, you're not going to jump down my throat? You're not going to verbally critique every time I make a mistake. Think about what happens to friendships and relationships or husband-wife relationships when you feel like anytime you make a mistake, that person is just going to attack you. Think about what happens to your relationships. Uh, she goes on and says this. <clears throat> Interesting, she says this, especially in the professional context, people believe that the most important first impression is competence. Can you get the job done? Here's what she says. But in fact, what's first and most important is this, is warmth and trustworthiness. The most important factor in how people evaluate you can you be trusted? Can you be trusted with them when they make mistakes? Are you going to immediately critique them? And here's what she, she says this, that in the MBA world, what surprises people is that most people think the most important thing is intellect and competence. But she says no. She says that you might be really smart and competent in your field, but if you are highly critical of people, if you are judgmental of people, you will not be trusted, and people will not want to be in relationship with you. So, patience is this. It's engaging with people who have flaws, and we all do. It's not ignoring the problem. Um, <clears throat> Krista read this morning James chapter 5. Let's turn there for just a moment. James chapter 5, and, and we can look into this a little bit more carefully. James chapter 5, verse 7. <clears throat> Patience is not ignoring difficult people. Okay, here's the hardest thing. Patience is not ignoring difficult people. Patience is not ignoring the people that just drive you crazy. Patience is not ignoring the personality type that just bothers you. It's dealing with them in a constructive way that is slow to get agitated or angry. That is so important. Patience is not ignoring difficult people. It's engaging with them in a constructive way without agitation and anger. 
James chapter 5 says this, beginning in verse 7. It says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, brothers and sisters, family, church family, husband and wives, be patient, therefore, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives its earthly and late rains. Now, here's what's interesting about this. So this is a metaphor James is writing. This is a picture of the Christian life of a farmer. And he's saying that the farmer, the patient farmer, views something as so valuable and so precious that he's not going to allow himself to get irritated over it. And what is it? It's the fruit. He's a farmer. He cares about the fruit more than getting irritated and angry about the process. So the question you have to ask yourself this morning is, what's more valuable, getting angry or the person that you're trying to relate with or the person you are in relationship? Who's more important, that person or your anger, your agitation? James goes on and says this. He says it again. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the Lord is coming. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So here's what he, he's making a really interesting connection. He's saying this. Number one, be patient with each other. Be slow to get angry with one another. And then he, say, he repeats himself a little bit by this phrase, the coming of the Lord. He says it a couple times. Then he says this, Behold, um, there's a judge standing at the door. So what is he talking about? What is the connection he's making? Here's what he's saying. James is saying this, Guard your hearts. Understand the danger of anger, of agitation, and what it does to people. Why? Because Jesus, here's what he's saying, Jesus is returning. Jesus is coming back. In light of that truth that Jesus is coming back, be careful how you treat one another. All right, so think about it this way. Um, December 25th, it's on our calendar. We know that date. That's the next big event. If you're engaged right now, the next big event in your life is your wedding date. All right, so think about it this way. The next big event in the life of Jesus Christ is his return that he is coming back. That is the next big event that will happen in the life of Christ. We don't know when that time is coming, but what he's saying is this. In light of that, in light of understanding eternity, how you live now matters. Right? So, now is temporary. Jesus is returning. That's eternal. How you live now is significant. It matters. It matters how you treat people. Because he says Jesus is, our, is the judge. And that how you grumble, how you criticize and critique people, how you find faults in people, that we're, we're accountable to that. That it destroys, it destroys unity. It destroys families. It destroys church communities. People that grumble against one another. That there is a something within our hearts that gives us that freedom to do that. That's not healthy. I, um, I came across 
I had to think I put it on my phone, all right? So that, uh, when we think about this for a second, we think about what, why do we do this? Why do we feel so free to be impatient with people? Why do we feel so free to critique people? I came across this little quiz, all right? You can see if you pass or fail. Number one, you impose unrealistic demands on your family, friends, acquaintances, lovers, employees. If you put unrealistic expectations on people, they're always going to fail and you're going to be impatient with them. That's number one. Number two, you tend to feel sorry for yourself if things don't go your way and you want pity. The openly um, attention-seeking, melodramatic person. When things don't go your way, Life doesn't work out, what happens? We start blaming other people, finding faults in other people, become impatient with people. Next, people who are, are impatient are the bullies. Now, here's what's, here's what's a little bit funny, is uh, not funny in an ironic way, is that th this is... Impatience in a church community is, is something we don't think about very often. We don't think about the destructive nature of it. And we mask it in all kinds of things. We mask it even in our families, um, in our relationships with each other, as that article that I read talked about. We have to be so careful about this. We have to be so careful about how we, we treat people. And, and what happens is sometimes, and, and um, think thank God that this hasn't happened in our church, but unfortunately, in, when, you know, when I read in things uh, about churches and, and church problems, impatient people use that as a way to manipulate people, to hurt people, to be divisive in pe with people. It is so important that we understand that we are all flawed people and that we all make mistakes, that wives have to understand that husbands make mistakes. Husbands have to understand that their wives make mistakes. Dads have to understand their boys don't always put their clothes away like I wish they would. And, and the irony of finding little things that I leave out around the house that I just kind of ignore and let slide when other people, my boys, and I'll just critique or go after them. It's so, um, it's so dangerous. We'd be so careful. So James is warning us here about being impatient with people. All right, let's, um, let's finish up with the second word, and um, it's going to appear here in this passage, and this has to do with the world that we live in. So the second part of patience is this. Patience is living in a troubled world with hopeful endurance that waits patiently for God. So number one, we talked about patience with each other. Now we're talking about patience with God. Again, the idea of patience means there's trouble. And let's just think about this for a second. In our lives, we live in a world that has trouble, where relationships break down, where people get sick, where accidents happen, where people are unemployed, people have financial problems. We have all sorts of troubles. And we don't like it. We don't want that to be a part of our life. So when things do go wrong in life, one option is this, is to complain, to get bitter with God, to just bail and withdraw from community. <clears throat> the alternative, though, 
is to wait patiently for God. Look at what James says. He, he talks about this. Uh, verse 8. As an example, in the suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Now here's what's interesting. The word steadfast is going to be repeated twice. Is also translated patience. Okay, So you have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So, when we're living in a troubled world and things don't go the way that we want, when things, when the timing, timing doesn't work, we have to be patient. We have to understand. We don't like to wait. We, we like things to be on our time. I made this big long list this week of things in my life. We don't like to wait in traffic. We don't like to wait in grocery store lines. We don't like to wait for um, um, my wife or children to get ready if I'm in the car. We just want everything to happen now, 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 now on our time schedule. And then we get grumpy when it doesn't happen. I came across, there's just so many interesting passages we can turn to. For clarity, let's turn to Romans chapter 12. And this is so important. All right, so now we're talking about patience with God. And here's what the Apostle Paul writes. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 12 and 13. This is another, this is a great verse to memorize for the month of December and Christmas time. He says this, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of saints, seek to show hospitality. Let's focus on this word tribulation for a moment. This is a really interesting word and a significant word. And we get this, the translation of the word tribulation from a Latin word called tribulum. And I think I have a picture of it. Is that there, Brandon? Have you heard of the word tribulum? I hadn't either. All right, that is a tribulum. Now, I showed it to someone and he thought it looked like a giant cheese grater. Well, it kind of is, all right? So back in ancient times, and this is all around the Mediterranean world, they used what are called uh, tribulum. And that would lay in the dirt. They'd have these planks, and they'd put stones or metal or something in. You can see there. And then they would have either a, a farmer or somebody, something heavy would sit on it, and then horses would pull it. And, and what it would do is it would just crush corn or wheat just literally just kind of obliterate it, and they would just drag it. And that's what a tribulum is. And we get the word tribulation, and it, it literally has this idea that your life, this isn't all that nice, but like your life is literally just getting squished out from you. Like life is so hard and so challenging, you're going through this thing that you're crushed on all sides. And we've all gone through times like this, and if you haven't, just put your buckle on, you will. Right? That's just life. It doesn't, it doesn't always make sense. And it's quite likely that some of you are going through that now. That life is just really, really hard. You, you know, you, you wish you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or you wish you were married. You wish you could get a job. You wish you didn't feel so lonely all the time. You wish somebody in your family could be healed of cancer, or whatever these things are that life just presses in on you. Paul says... That during these times, to be patient, and what that means is, is that the idea of patience here is perseverance. It's endurance. 
all right? And here's how, we, here's how we can try to live this out, okay? Number one is this. You cannot be shocked. My friends, when tribulations come, they will. You cannot be like, whoa, what is happening? This is never Life is hard sometimes. We live in a troubled world, and it takes all different shapes and forms. Tribulations will come. If you are shocked by it, it can ruin you. It can defeat you. It's part of the reason, um, part of the reason I enjoy um, exercising. Um, it, it just, it's part of life. I, um, on Thanksgiving morning, um, Mackenzie and Tony and, and R.A., a group of us, rode up Bush, and there's nothing fun about it at all. But here's what's fun about it is this. You know, you know that the trail is uphill. You know, you're not surprised. You're not, and you're, you know, honestly, you can be amazed at what you've accomplished when you do something as, as a group. That when you live in community with people and you're going through tribulum, tribulum, tribulation, you can survive. Don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. And here's what else he says. Verse, the beginning of verse 12, he says this, Rejoice in hope. So when you're going through tribulation, persevere, endure. And how do you do that? Number one, you're not shocked. You're not surprised that this happens. Next, you rejoice in hope. What's the alternative? Bitterness. Rejoicing in hope is this, is hope is Jesus Christ. You can rejoice in Jesus Christ. That is confidence. The word hope here is not, it's not this. I hope it rains tomorrow in Malibu. Okay? It probably, it's not going to, right? It just doesn't do that here. <laughs> That's not how hope is used here. Hope here, you can even almost replace it with the word confidence. Rejoice in this, that Jesus Christ is your hope. He is your confidence. Rejoice in that during these times. Then he says this, be constant in prayer. You have to talk to God about this. You have to share what's going on. That is David in the book of Psalms. He just shares. And sometimes it's so authentic, it's discomforting. It makes us squirm a little bit because it's so raw. But talk to God. And then he says this, contribute to the needs of saints. That means this, you don't get to have a lifelong pity party. You can have a pity party for a little time, a short little time, but then you've got to step out of it and contribute to the needs of saints. Some really interesting studies um, I, I heard this week, and it's related to, related to this. People that were dis, um, struggling with discouragement. Some people were given, I forget the name of the drug, but they were given a drug. Other people were given opportunities to serve. And after, I forget the length of time, how many months it was, the people who were given the opportunity to serve without any drugs, and I'm not saying drugs don't have a place, I don't know, but we're way ahead of people who were using antidepressants in this one particular study. Contribute to the During times of tribulation, you can still be involved in serving and loving and helping people. The idea here of patience is essential for our relationships with each other, that we know how to get along, that we know how to treat one another, that we allow people to make mistakes, but also there's a patience that requires perseverance when life brings us troubles that we're patient with God, that we see that he is using these opportunities to grow us. It's an opportunity for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And Matthew chapter 18 is an amazing parable. And it's a parable of a servant who comes to the king. And the king calls the debt. The servant can't pay it. And he says, please be patient with me. Please be patient with me. And the king says, okay, I'll be patient with you. I'll, I'll let your debt go. Later on, the servant who had gone to the king goes to his servant and tries to reclaim the debt that's owed him. And that servant says, I don't have it. I'm sorry. And it says that the original servant literally grabs him by the throat and says, you owe me. And the picture of, of, of that is this, is that every day God is patient with all of us. That God is not just a patient God, although He is. It's not that just God, it's not just that God says to us, please be patient with each other. It's a command, be patient with each other. That is true too, but it, here's what's even more meaningful. Is that every day Jesus Christ shows us patience. That He allows us to make mistakes. Therefore, based on our experiencing patience every day with Jesus Christ, we need to be patient with other people. We need to be able to pass that on to others. We need to allow other people to make mistakes and love them and embrace them and walk with them. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask that your Holy Spirit would be here, that we pray for a filling of our lives with your Spirit to help us grow in patience, to help us understand that we should be a community of people where we take a long time to get irritated with each other, that we should be a community of people that has a, has a deep trust in you, that even when we walk through times of tribulation, that we can rejoice and be confident and know that you love us. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing here. I pray, I pray your, your blessing, your protection over this church family. In the name of Jesus, amen.